You've survived the worst. Trauma, loss, rejection. The reality is, your pain can be a crutch, or it can be the thing that launches you. You're listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you experience true freedom and breakthrough. Tune in each week as guests share their incredible life lessons from their personal stories and hear from experts who can give you the tools you need to stop surviving and start thriving. Here to help you find purpose through your pain is your host, Joseph James. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Power Forgiveness Podcast. My name is Dwayne Staten, and I have a very, very, very special guest with me, Mr. Joseph James. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, brother. So honored and uh, happy to be here. Uh, honestly, I want to thank you for honestly taking this. When I got the email saying that you were interested in this podcast, I'm not going to lie. I was like, this is spam. This is spam. <laughs> I know this ain't no real person. Then I, when I actually looked it up and I saw it, I said, oh, snap, this is real. And when I looked at your background, I said, please come on. Yes. Please come on. Yeah, well, I mean, so, so much, again, brother. just thank you for just taking the time and opportunity to do this. I appreciate absolutely. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm truly honored. All right. So let me ask you this. If you can be on any reality TV show, which one would you be on and why? <laughs> reality TV show. Let's see here. That's a good one. I haven't had that question. It's been such a while since I've gotten into TV. Um, mm -hmm. Man, reality TV show. Could that be a game show also? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Like a game show <laughs> uh, that is reality. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it would probably be something to do with like, world's dumbest <laughs> criminals or something just like, <laughs> like yeah. really yeah, guys right. like that are is, you serious like are you serious people i'm like did you not yeah. think this through you know um you know honestly honestly i would love more than anything because i grew up a sports fan i'd love to be on espn i just oh, love to just the broadcast on it like 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 some like a highlight reel you know like yeah whoop, whoop. Yeah, Chris Berman, yep. <laughs> yep, little Chris Berman. You know, we're like, oh man, God. really? Really, yeah. man? Yeah. Something like that, oh man. Something gosh, like that. Yes. So that that would be my, uh, that would be my just totally opposite end of the wall of what I do right now. Just the total, just ESPN. Da-da-dun, da-da-dun. Man, <laughs> I hear that. For me, what reality show would I want to be on? I'll, I, I'm, I'm a pro you know, it's, I'm just going to be honest. Wheel of Fortune. There you go. Um, what's that game show? Chain Reaction. Okay. And it was another reality TV show. Oh, People Puzzler. Huh. Uh, it's a game show where it's like, you know, People Magazine have the crosswords. Yep. yep. They made that into a game show. Oh, no way. Mm-hmm. So I would, uh, I would do that because me and my wife, we would just watch those all the time. And I'm just like, we're just guessing the puzzles. And I'm just yeah. like, I would love to be on. I really would. I'd love to be on the family few with uh, Steve Harvey just to sit there and oh, listen to him. Just, yes. just to listen to him. I, I don't care if I get it. I mean, everything I'd probably say is wrong. You know, um, I, I'd be the guy that somebody comes up with 187 points and you only need three to get to 200 or whatever it is. And I, I wouldn't even get those three points. That's just, you know, that'd be me. That, that'd be my luck, you know? <laughs> and then I just get that dumb stare from Steve. Just like, really? You know, he that, does, that, that, he that does, would be he me. does give that he does give that stare. Where he just like, did that really just come out your mouth? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I remember this one. Even I, I looked at the dude like dumbfounded. <laughs> he said, "This dude said, give me a name that starts with H," and the dude was like, "Jose." I said, <laughs> "I've heard that one too." I've Man, I, I literally looked at this this guy and I was like, he's dead serious. And he walked away like that was the that was the winning answer. And yeah. I would have said, oh, sir, I'm sorry. That's, you know, we'll, just, we'll just move on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just move. But um, again, just thank you for just coming on and just doing this. Absolutely. I really appreciate this. So I know... When I got the email, I know that you have a story about forgiveness. So I just wanted to give you this is this give you the platform. So please tell us your story, sir. Absolutely. You know, um, just to kind of give you a little background, I grew up in a very abusive family. My father was abusive, was a 20 year Marine Corps veteran. 
And so we lived a, uh, I wouldn't say we lived a militaristic life. That's, that's not what our family, our upbringing was. But however, my dad believed in discipline and he believed in respect. So it was yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. You know, but he also had this rule. It's kind of an unwritten rule and it really wasn't fair. But if we went out in public, you know, or to somebody's house or wherever, if they did not, if, if whoever we were around did not come up to my parents and say, wow, you had the well, most, the, the most behaved kids, we got in trouble for it. Whoa. You know, and I'm like, you know, but that, that's the kind of, you know, family we lived in. He was very abusive verbally, physically, mentally. You know, the only thing my dad wasn't is he was not sexually abusive to any of us, okay? But I grew up in this this harshness of the physicality, but then also, and it wasn't so much the physicality that did the damage, it was the verbiage. It, it was the words, yeah. you know, it was the words yeah. that we hold on most to because, it, you know, the Bible clearly says that it's our words have the power to create or to destroy you know, life, speak life or speak death. You know, it doesn't say anything about hitting somebody will create, you know, or speak life or death or, or, or things like that. Not that physical physicality can't do something like that. But ultimately, it was his words. It was no matter how hard I tried, it was never good enough. You know, when it came to sports, when it came to academics in school, an A minus was never good enough because I should have got an A plus. You know, and that went through on, that went out throughout my, my childhood, my early childhood. I remember coming home and being all excited about a 97 on a test. And dad's like, well, you should have you made 100. I'm like, you know, and you get beat down enough when you feel that you're doing your best and where it's not good enough. And you get to the point of why try anymore? Because when I would get a C, the response to a C would be the same thing as a response to an A minus. And so I'm just like, why try anymore? Why, why, mm, why, why do it? Mm, yeah. At that age, why I didn't, and I've never really thought about this until now, but why I didn't go into the, the, the mental breakdown side of things of doing self-harm or doing things to get for attention, I don't know. I guess my attention was trying to be the class clown. You know, I gained the attention within the class, not doing anything self-destructive to me or to other people. But... Ultimately, the rejection was was very harsh to me. So I I loved my dad. He was married to my mom for over thirty nine years before she passed away. Okay, mm-hmm. and you know, but my dad, he, I can I can vaguely remember the times of going out and having fun dad times. Our our yeah. fun dad times revolved around wrestling in the house, which was okay. You know, I loved. And a few times of him going out and throwing baseball with me or throwing the football, which all became work, not play, you know? And I remember um, the times my dad was an avid college basketball fan. We yeah. were diehard North Carolina Tar Heel fans, grew up watching Michael Jordan play. I was very young at the time when he was finishing his college career, but definitely watched them all throughout the NBA. And so we were... North Carolina Tar Heel fans, and then we were Chicago Bull fans, and that was about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, I loved football. I was a Washington Redskins fan, okay? Because in North Carolina, the Carolina Panthers didn't exist at that time, so we only had the Atlanta Braves that we can get baseball from, which I was a diehard Braves fan, and then Washington Redskins, and then, of course, every North Carolina basketball game. Yeah. And I began to take such a liking that I would study the players and where they were born at, their hometown, their birth date, their career statistics, their rookie year, how many tackles, how many home runs. I mean, you name it, I could. I, you could say, all right, Dexter Manley, Washington Redskins. Okay, he was number 72. He was kicked out of the league for cocaine use. All this different stuff. I could just ramble it Whoa, off. Okay, I remember Dexter yeah, Manley. Yeah, yeah. massive, massive uh, defensive lineman. And so, um, but... And, and I loved it, and that's that allowed me to connect with my dad. For one of the very few times as a young kid, I felt connected. And I felt connected to such a degree that, like, not that I can get away with things for kids, but I can have conversation with my dad. And I felt that there was a time in my life that he was proud because if he needed to know information about a sport, I was the one that did it. I love sports trivia, Okay. And if you are familiar, if you are a sports fan and know the ESPN announcer, Stephen A. Smith, okay, Stephen A. Smith got his job 
as a competition that ESPN put on years ago in sports trivia. Well, I was a young kid. I was probably about halfway through high school, so I was probably sophomore. I could beat out Stephen A. Smith all day long. My, my, weakest, my weakest sports were probably hockey, but I knew stuff about golf, basketball. I, I mean, from dating back to the start of baseball with Abner Doubleday, okay? And, wow. you know, I, I mean, because that's all I ever studied. That's what yeah. drove me as a kid was sports, okay? But then that day came when my dad made the comment. He says, if you would apply yourself in school like you do with sports, you'd be a straight-A student. And here comes all that rejection back. All that feeling as even now I'm in high school and it's just like, I can't do anything to win in life according to his eyes. I just couldn't, you know, and the rejection stemmed on to me being a young adult. Okay. Because I did not want to hear the word no, Mm. didn't. And where can you hear, where are two major areas in life that we can hear the word no from being a salesperson, making money. And relationships, finding a finding a loon love, going up and asking somebody, would you like to go to dinner? No. Can I have your number? Yeah. No. All that. So I would avoid those things. Yeah. I would be the one that would be the designated driver to go to the club and I'd stand up there and I'd not drink. I don't approach girls because I was afraid to death. I didn't ask them for a dance, nothing of the words no. And so I just avoided it. Yeah. I avoided anything I could to be rejected, you know, and, uh, I end up, you know, uh, joining the Marine Corps when I was young and, uh, about a year after high school. And I, again, this was a chance for me to connect with my father, you know, cause my dad was, was a prior service Marine, a former Marine. And, uh, and so for once I finally started feeling that connection where he was more teaching me now, not telling me I wasn't good enough, you know, because in his eyes, I was following in his footsteps. And my dad was a very Mm -hmm. smart and intelligent man, even without a college degree, okay? Very, very smart when it comes to academics, uh, very intelligent when it came to professions and work and jobs. Anytime he had to take a test, I mean, very, very intelligent. And so this continued on my, my rejection and my abandonment and just the simple, the need for affirmations or the need for approval stemmed into, I'm 23, 24 years old in the Marine Corps, and I'm calling my dad up to ask him, is it okay that I buy a car? Not that I needed his permission, but I wanted his approval because I had sought after it my whole entire, you know, 20 years of my life at the time, okay? And, you know, I I get out of the Marine Corps, I go to Bible college, I'm learning. I grew up in church, so I knew about forgiving people. I knew what that was. Okay, but there's two aspects to forgiveness, and I want the listeners, your listeners, to to really hear this. There's two aspects of forgiveness, and the first aspect of it is I will talk about is forgiving other people, but it's really the second aspect that I'm not going to give it away yet. But it's the part that we forget the most. So let's talk a little bit about forgiving other people. I remember the day that I went up to my dad. Now, I had been through forgiving programs, and I didn't feel that I had trauma or PTSD from growing up. I didn't feel that I had guilt and shame. I didn't know those things. I'm just like, this is life. This is the things you have to go through in life, and so be it, okay? Because that's, my, that's how my dad raised us. Yeah. And I was now, I was probably now about, this was about 2000, so I'm, I'm in my late 20s, um, not quite, let's see, 2003, four time frame. I don't think my mom had passed away yet. Um, and I go up to my dad, I'm in church and I go up to my dad and I, I look at him, we're sitting on the back, the back row of the church and I've kind of got this played out in my mind of how it's going to go. Okay. I'm going to go up and I'm going to apologize to my dad and, you know, And I wasn't asking for forgiveness. I was going to tell him that I forgave him. Okay? And so I did. And I I got it played out through my mind. I said, Dad, I just want to tell you. You know, I was choked up. He's like, come on, son. Just what is it? You know? And I said, I just want to tell you that I forgive you for the way that you treated mom and us as kids. 
and for all the abuse and, and spankings. And he looked back at me and he says, well, that's what I thought I was supposed to do. Whoa. Yeah. That's, that's exactly, a truth bomb. That, that, yeah. You know, and I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, how on God's green earth do you think it's justifiable to take discipline and go beyond it to abuse? How, how, can, how can you fathom that, you know? And I didn't understand, I, I didn't really, I was so caught off guard that I really didn't have a retaliation except for just saying, well, Dad, I, I, you know, I couldn't say I was, you were wrong because I didn't know. All I could say, well, well Dad, I, I forgive you anyways. You know, yeah. but I was more perplexed by the fact that he would say that. Not a, yeah. you know what, son, you're right. I, I should have done things different as a dad. No consoling whatsoever. No apologies whatsoever. And I, I remember going outside. This we were at church. I remember going outside, and I, I'm in a RV of a friend. That's that's a he was a guest speaker, and he was my dad's age. Spent time in Vietnam. So I I, I said this to him. He said, Joseph. He says. You gotta put yourself in your dad's shoes. And I'm like, what do you mean? He says, you have to realize what your dad went through and how your dad was taught to raise children or to be a father or to be a husband. Because let's let's really think about it, Dwayne. Let's really, really think about it. Is there really an instruction booklet on how to raise kids? Absolutely not. How to be married? How to grieve? how to be the, the idealistic husband or idealistic wife or how to truly love somebody. No, there's not. There's no step-by-step instruction booklet on how to do this. How do we ultimately learn? Psychologists say that our love, our love, our definition of love and our reasoning of love is based off of our first relationship. And who is that first relationship with? Our parents. Okay our parents. So I got to thinking, I'm like, well, if that's what my dad felt, that's what he was supposed to do. Where did he get that from? We got it from his dad. And where did Mm -hmm. his dad get it from? Probably got it from his dad and his dad and his dad. And it's interesting. I just happened to read something on Facebook today. And it talks about if you were a child born in 1900, the year 1900, and it went on and it just listed the things. By the time that you were eight, you were now in World War One. By the time that you were twelve, you were in World War that you know, and it just went on and went on and it went Jeez. on from World War One to World War Two to the Holocaust to um, the Depression, the Great Depression to the Cold War to the Vietnam War or to the Korean War to the Vietnam War to I mean one thing after another. So now, yeah. as an aspect of an 85, 88, 89 year old or even now Jeez. older. Look at the story they say of what they grew up in. Well, we all hear this comment. Well, when I was your age, you know, I I make fun of my kids now. I'm like, when I was your age, I didn't have a phone. Our computers were the size of a freaking house. (laughs) You know, we we didn't, it it was a block, you know, and you didn't dare move those things, you you know. Um, And so, but they can't grasp that. And yet ultimately I couldn't grasp what my dad was saying when he said, I thought that's what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. In my mind, I can rationalize it now, but at the time I'm like, how in the world do you, do you, how do you feel that beating somebody with a two by four because they rolled their eyes at you or beat me up against my mom with a piece of wood because I made a smirk with my face. How do you justify that? And ultimately, you can't. You don't. Because at the end of the day is there's no instruction booklet on life. There's no instruction booklet on how to properly grieve or how to properly forgive somebody or forgive yourself or deal with a heartbreak or a a, a loss or, you know, how how do you go through those things? You go through those things ultimately by trial and error. Now, yeah. can you read a book about love and forgiveness? Of course, there's knowledge out there. Don't get me wrong, okay? Yeah. But whether it's a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a therapist, a hypnotherapist, a, a doctor, a parent, a grandma, grandpa, 
old wise tales, you know, uh, Hispanic tradition. It doesn't matter. Okay, all those things are bits and pieces of nuggets that what people have learned that have ultimately worked for them and they're just simply giving you advice to maybe you can apply it for yourself. That's it. That's really, that's it. Every book written is based off of somebody's personal experience or what, or a third party experience. That's it. You ain't lying. You definitely not lying on that one. So I can write a book about my trauma and it's only going to come from a standpoint of what I went through what I learned. That's it. I can't sit here and tell you, Dwayne, this is what you have to do because I know this works all the time. I can even do a survey. I can do a, a, a case study of 400 people and out of 400 people, XXX, this, this means this and this means that and this is what the profound uh, 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 you know, results were. But it doesn't necessarily mean it was you. Okay? We see this in society. White male growing up in a certain area. Black male growing up in a certain area. Yes, there are statistics saying white male can be likely to do this and black male can likely to do this. But it doesn't mean it has to happen. Yep. Yep. You know? And so, ultimately, I had to realize the biggest thing about me forgiving somebody else is this right here. Is knowing that when you go to forgive somebody, you may not hear the answer you want to hear. Say that one more time. Please say that one more time. (laughs) When you go to forgive someone, you may not hear the answer you want to hear. And this is where true heartbreak, this is where the hurt really comes in at. Because in my Mm -hmm. mind, okay, I felt my dad should have said, you know what, son? You're right. I'm so sorry. And I set myself up for more hurt, more failure, more grief, more trauma, more pain, more rejection, more resentment, more unforgiveness. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. You know, I did that. My dad didn't do it. Yep, that's it. And, oh gosh, that's powerful. And it reminds me of some, something that someone said about how uh, closure is a trap. Remind me someone said that because when I thought about it, it's like, what if you do want closure from someone and they don't say exactly the, the script you have played in your head? Yeah. How is that going to work out? Yeah, it doesn't bring closure. It, it don't. What it brings, brings closure? More or more pain. Let, let's, 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 let's talk about closure. Closure is nothing but healing, right? Yeah. Okay, we get an answer. We can now put it behind us. Okay, but here's the thing. That's not the end of healing. It's not the end of healing. Because when we're going, if, if, let's take a, let's take my mom, for example. Okay, let's just say that my mom divorced my dad because she was in an abusive relationship. Okay, let's just say she did it young. She had three, four kids, and they were all toddlers, okay? And she moves on, okay? And she lets go. She brings closure to the relationship by getting a divorce, never seeing him again. Even, let's just say that everything went perfectly right, that he gave her what she needed in the verbal words of closing, okay? But now she gets into a relationship that somebody could be very, very similar. Maybe he goes to grab her for the first time out of impulse, now what happens? Now you realize whether or not you're truly healed mm-hmm. or whether or not the trigger has now resurfaced yeah. or you've been re-triggered, okay? Because here's the thing about rejection, all right? Okay, and I know this is a little, a little off subject compared to the forgiveness side. I thought that when I, I avoided rejection by not getting into any type of businesses because I had chance when I was very young to get into businesses, Okay, and um, I didn't want to hear the word no. When it came yep. to talking or asking about asking somebody for money, I didn't want to hear the word no. Okay, yep. the other aspect of it was the girls, right? I didn't want to hear the word no. So I did not even get married. I met um, my wife at the time. Um, she's now, of course, you know, deceased. But uh, we got married at 27. I met her at uh, 25. Okay, or not? I was almost 25, and I met her mutually through her brother. Okay. And it was just like, Hey, I liked her. She looked cute, but I didn't know what was going to happen. But, but the way we met, everything was just kind of like, Hey, it's just a group of us. We're hanging out. We're playing monopoly. 
And now I could do my flirting because I wasn't coming out asking and we're all in the same thing. It wasn't isolating me to, hey, you know, I saw you sitting over there all by yourself, you know, would love to be able to sit down with you. I didn't have to do it that way because in my mind, that was going to be my worst case scenario of getting the word no. For me, the way I created it was is if nothing happens, if there's no chemistry there, I'm not hurt because I didn't put myself out there. Okay, so fast forward, I get married. Two years later, I get married, okay? Was married to my wife uh, just shy of 14 years before she passed away. And after she passed, it wasn't until later on when I, you know, January would be three years, but it wasn't until later on that when I'm like, okay, I, I, I guess I need to start putting myself back out there and, and dating. And of course, now you've got all these you know, um, social media apps to find people on dating. Yeah. I mean, you've got anything and everything, right? And yep. so I, um, you know, when I, I, I remember the first time flirting with uh, a, a young woman um, and we're, we're, again, it's a group setting. We're all out on a river and we're floating down the river on kayaks and tubes and I'm, I, you know, I'm flirting with her and we start to chit chat and we get, you know, exchange each other's numbers and stuff like that. And about two weeks into it, she just messaged me. I sent her a message on Instagram and she responds back. She says, don't ever talk to me again. Dang. And I'm like, and I'm like, first I'm like, what in the world did I do? But every bit of rejection yeah. that I dealt with as a young child and a young yeah. adult resurfaced back up. And why did it resurface? Because I was never healed of it. I was yeah. just in a relationship with a beautiful woman that never rejected me. But it doesn't mean that I wasn't, re I didn't still have rejection issues. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's the thing also about forgiveness. Just because you say you go to forgive somebody doesn't mean it's done. Doesn't mean yeah. you're healed of it. It just means yeah. that there's an aspect of it that is a step in the healing process. Yeah. Because here's where the old, here's, here's the part about us going to forgive somebody. Okay. Us taking the step of action to forgive somebody is a place of vulnerability within ourself. Say that one more time. Just the, one more the, time. The step of going to forgive somebody is, a, is, is the action of vulnerability within us. It's the action of vulnerability because vulnerability brings healing. Yes, it does. So, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. I am very glad you said that because one thing that I've noticed is that not a lot of people are vulnerable. Right. And what I've also noticed is people play it off. Like, I'm not hurt. I'm fine. Right. I'm good. Yeah. We're not fine. No, we're, we're not. We're not okay. And it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. But being vulnerable, that's key. That, that was, oh, that was great. I'm sorry. Keep going. Oh, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm actually writing down what I said because I'm like, man, that's really good myself. Actually. It's funny how that works, right? It's like when you say something, it's like, oh, snap, that was good. Let me yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, forgiving someone is just the action step of vulnerability. Yeah. Okay. And vulnerability is nothing more than just the aspect of we, we've got to go. We've got to be vulnerable to be able to heal. Okay. Yeah. So that's. That helps a lot of people. But what happens when you can't forgive somebody? What happens when you can't go up and verbalize? Okay? What happens when you're not able to go forgive somebody? Okay? Some people, listen, we've heard the stories. You get into an argument with your wife. Your wife drives down the road and gets hit by a drunk driver and gets killed. Okay? You're somebody murdered your family member. And you never get yeah. to speak to them and yeah. you know, you, you, the hatred or yeah. you don't have a good relationship with a loved one before they pass away. So you never got the chance in your heart to go up to them and say, I forgive you. So here's the most important piece of that, because that will happen. That can happen. Okay. And, I, and I'll, I'll, sh I'll share a story actually, before I go into the next piece is after, so to fast forward, you know, to 2005, my mom passed away in, in, in 05. And 
I was at a point in my life with my dad that I really wished it was my dad. We had a better relationship, but we didn't have the greatest relationship. I didn't hate yeah. my dad, but I didn't have the father-son relationship that I desired and that I wanted. And I'm still having that lingering thought of, how could you do this? How could you do this to my mom? You know, I can get over it, but how can you do this to my mom? You know? And yeah. so, but here was the thing is it was either right after my mom passed away. It was either right after we buried her or, or, or sometime around that. I don't think it was the day that we buried her. I think it was shortly after. I think it was when the grave marker came in. It was myself, my two sisters, and my, and my older brother, and then my dad. And we're at the grave marker, and we're looking at it, and my dad pulls us aside, and he says these words right here. He says, I just want to tell you guys that I'm sorry. Wow. The death of my mom humbled him. Yeah. Okay. And now that brought healing to me because I was already in a place to forgive him. Yeah. But he wasn't in a place to apologize, to ask for forgiveness. See, mm -hmm. I flipped the script on him ultimately by instead of waiting throughout however long it may have been to say, Dad, I'm waiting for you any day now to ask for forgiveness. I just said, you know what? Dad, I, I'm getting clear of my heart, my conscience, and I'm going to go tell you I forgive you. Now, of course, it caught me off guard when he didn't say what I wanted him to say. But you have to be willing to accept that you may not hear what you want to hear. That's number one. You, you have to accept that reality that you, when you go to forgive somebody, when you take the action step of forgiving somebody else for what they did to you or to another family member or for whatever reason, you may not hear what you want to hear. Don't take that personal. Okay? Because ultimately that person is just not in a place within themselves to say, you know what? You're right. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me or thank you for forgiving me? Yeah. Okay. That's where that person is at. You can't take that personal. But this is something that happened to me. So fast forward 14 years from my mom passing away. My dad died my best friend because of the power of forgiveness. Yeah. Okay. But there was still an aspect of forgiveness that I had not done yet. And so then to tell a little bit more about that story is 22 days after my dad passed away, my wife passes away of colon cancer at the age of 37 with three kids. Okay. And this comes the aspect of now another shift of forgiveness, right? About two weeks after she passed away, I'm going through some things in the house. I'm just like, I got to detox. I got to get rid of stuff. I, you know, and I'm going through things that I know that aren't too memorable or too valuable, but I kind of wish I would have kept them. And it was a journal. It was a journal. Now, my wife journaled about, she'd journal for about three or four days, and then she'd skip about four or five years, okay? That was the level of her journaling, all right? She just didn't journal, okay? But she was sharing in this how she was going through a rough time. She was, she was depressed about certain things. And I knew that my wife was, okay? And, uh, and I knew that she was seeing a therapist. And now our agreement was, is, hey, you go to your sessions, and I will support you. And then when it comes time for the two of us as a married couple to go, then we will go together. I 100% supported her from the very get-go, okay? Yeah. And so I remember her coming home one day, and I'm on my computer. I'm at the kitchen counter. I'm working on some business stuff. And she comes in, and she starts talking to me about her therapist appointment. And I'm, I'm listening. I, I, you know, and I'm typing away, and I'm working. But it said in her journal, she says, I came home to share Joseph, share with Joseph, the amazing breakthrough that I had. And as I'm sharing it, he is staring at his computer like he's not even listening. Mm. And it crushed me, Dwayne. Yeah. It crushed me for two reasons. One, I didn't give my wife the divided attention that she needed. Number two, yeah. number two, and here's what the important ones was. I couldn't say sorry because she was oh, not there yeah. to say sorry to. Yeah. All I could do was cry and cry and cry and cry and say I'm sorry over and over and over again, hoping and believing that the party that she's having up in heaven, that she would even glance down and look at me to know that yeah. I was saying sorry. 
Yeah. And that was the power of, I don't get a response. I don't get a response. Yeah. You know? So what happens yeah. when you don't get a response? What happens when you don't get a response that you want? And here's the yeah. second aspect of forgiveness that people don't do. And I didn't realize this until probably about a year and a half later when I start to date somebody and I'm going through the rejection issues, I'm going through everything and I'm asking God to heal me from it and then it dawned on me. I'm like, oh my God, one thing that I've never done, I forgave my dad. I forgave him for everything that he did and that, that we took me through. Now, just because I gave him doesn't mean I was, I was healed completely. I still had triggers. I still had old, old wounds that surfaced yep. back up. The rejection from the girl that says, don't ever uh, talk to me again. And then even yep. now, the new, the new uh, the, the girlfriend and you know the, the issues that we were having to begin with and the rejection that I felt or whatever the case is, one thing that I, don't, that I didn't do and it dawned on me driving across a bridge uh, in New Orleans is, and this is where people make the mistake, we will come to a place in our life that we will forgive other people, but we totally forget about forgiving ourselves. Facts. Nothing but facts. Nothing but facts. Nothing but facts. When we don't forgive ourselves, I want y'all to listen to me out there. When we don't forgive ourselves, this is where more of the bitterness the anger, the resentment, all those things start to boil up. We shift our focus on the other individual. But ultimately, it's within us because we start blaming ourselves. Like for me, I blamed myself. Why didn't I listen to my wife more? Why didn't I take... I was listening to her, but for her, she wanted my undivided attention. She wanted me to close my laptop and turn around and look at her and says, tell me about your day, sweetheart. That's what she wanted. And I knew she couldn't forgive me because she was no longer on earth. And so I got to the point, it's like, God, forgive me for not forgiving myself of all the things that I went through. It wasn't my fault that my dad was abusive. It wasn't my fault at all, but I blamed myself. It wasn't my fault that my dad took me through so much rejection in life that it stemmed me from not wanting to get into business because I didn't want to hear the word no or rejection, ask a girl out, okay? I'm 43 years old. I just turned 43 in September, okay? I was just realizing these things last year at 42, mm -hmm. okay? But I'm telling you that the healing that has taken place in my life over the last year because of understanding the power of forgiveness within myself, I always knew there was forgiveness in other people. The Bible talks about not being, not forgiving other people. Okay? But when are we going to start forgiving ourselves? When are we going to start forgiving ourselves for blaming ourselves when it wasn't our fault? When are we going to stop uh, when are we going to start forgiving ourselves for blaming ourselves for things we didn't know? that you think you should have known. Yeah. Well, I, I knew yeah. I shouldn't have gone out with that guy and I would have never been raped. How do you know you shouldn't have gone out with him? That's it. How do you know it was gonna, That's well, it. I had instincts, I had red, I had red flags. Okay. Uh, we, can, we, can, we can sit here and say all day long, trust your gut, trust your gut, trust your gut. Because science has already talked about how it's connected to the brain. Listen. My brain has talked me more out of things that could have bettered me than talked yep. me into it. Yeah. Because the brain is designed to protect yourself and the brain doesn't recognize the difference between the fear of jumping off a bridge when there's a bungee cord attached to your feet than taking a step and hiring somebody in your business or making an investment, or starting a podcast, or going out on a date, or getting married, or going through a divorce, the brain doesn't know the difference. It's funny you said that, because actually there was a study, it was done, it was a author psychologist, Rick Hansen, he said, our brains are wired to scout for the bad stuff. Yeah, man, that's good. 
And there was another article that was say that you know, like we're that's how we're wired to go for the negative. Yeah. So you're right. We are more wild to, wired to talk us, ourselves out of things than into things. Keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah. Keep going. So ultimately, you know, we blame ourselves for things of what if I would have done this? What if I would have done that? Well, you can't what if life. Nope. You can't. Okay. If you make a mistake, like, okay, I made a mistake, but you know what? I, I wasn't raped because I made the mistake of going out. I was raped because the guy did that to me. Period. I made a mistake by allowing my kid to go with her dad and her dad got drunk and the kid was killed in a car accident. It's not your fault for letting the kid go. It's his fault for drinking. You know, yeah. and we, we, can, we can dissect so many things, but ultimately we have to come to a place in our life and I, I, I think this more than anything. I think the importance of forgiving ourselves is way more than forgiving other people. But I am never saying don't forgive somebody else. That's not what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Forgiving yeah. other people is an aspect of healing. You need to do it. But what you can't forget about is forgiving yourself. Yeah. Because when we don't that. forgive ourselves, we blame ourselves. Blame yeah. is grief, grief, trauma, trauma, grief, pain. They're all interconnected. Yeah. They're all interconnected. I just had to take a minute. That's a, that's a lot to take in. Very honestly, all good truths, but that's all gems. All gems. Just... And, and you know, Dwayne, you know, uh, your podcast title is The Power of Forgiveness, but there's so much power in unforgiveness. Nobody wants to talk about unforgiveness. We only want to talk, talk about, about forgiveness. That. We going to talk about that. <laughs> talk about that. You know, I mean, unforgiveness leads, I mean, you can research it. You can Google unforgiveness leads to health issues. I actually did an episode on that. I did an episode how I can deal deal with not only emotional issues but also physical and mental issues yeah. it can affect relationships and it's a lot here's the thing i knew unforgiveness was bad just in general yeah but then when i learned how can it, it could affect my body the people i love and everything else i just said oh my gosh yeah oh yeah what i look like holding holding this unforgiveness against somebody yeah, yeah. that didn't make any type of sense none yeah. Just you don't realize it's kind of like going into the gym. If I said, okay, we're going to go in the gym and squat 600 pounds. You're like, oh my God, I can't even hold 600 pounds, you know? But if I slowly start increasing the weight over a period of time, you'd be like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize I was carrying 600 pounds for so many yeah. years. You know, yeah. there's, there's a new weight loss thing going on right now. It's not a program that's new, but everybody's taking pictures of turkeys. Okay. And they're like, this is the amount of turkeys I was ultimately carrying around in my body because I lost 150 pounds. I can't believe I was carrying around 150 pounds worth of turkeys because they yep. did it over a period of time, you know? And the same thing with unforgiveness and grief and loss and trauma and pain and hurt, okay? We all have a purpose in life from the pain that we experience. We all do. But there's a reality of understanding that forgiveness can lead to a road of destruction within our life because we're carrying around that 10 pounds of guilt. We're carrying around that 30 pounds of pain. We're carrying around that eight pounds of trauma. We're carrying around the different things, grief, shame, uh, you know, the rejection, the resentment, the abandonment, all those things. We're carrying around all that excess baggage and all that excess weight yep. simply because we're not choosing to forgive. And like I said, the two aspects of forgiveness, forgiving others, forgiving yourself. Because you can forgive others easily. I'm not saying it's easy, but you can forgive others. 
yeah. and still live with the same guilt, trauma, hurt, pain, and everything else that goes along with that as a byproduct simply because you're not forgiving yourself. It's funny. It's, it's not funny. Sorry. Let me use a different word. We always talk about we need to forgive us, but forgiving ourselves is definitely key. As the old saying goes, it starts at home. And with us, it has to start there. It has to. And as we were talking, I was looking it up. Like, for example, the unforgiveness. What's the effects of holding a grudge? If you unforgive, you bring anger and bitterness into every relationship and new experience. You become so wrapped up in the wrong that you can't enjoy the present. You become depressed or anxious. You feel like your life lacks meaning or purpose or that you're at odds with your spiritual beliefs and you, you lose viable and enriching connectedness with other people. That's just a few things that can happen. And I've experienced that. Like when I had unforgiveness, every time with my biological mom, someone brought that up, I'd be like, why'd you bring down the mood the wrong? Right. Everybody else's mood was fine. Mine yeah. was. Mine wasn't. Right. And I immediately, I'm just like, my, my mood just changed the whole time. So it really does help to let it go. Let that, let that unforgiveness go. Absolutely. Yeah, you know I mean, it does help. It's a powerful thing both ways. You know, the power yeah. to destroy us, but the, also the power to set us free. Yes. Wholeheartedly agree with that. Wholeheartedly agree with that. So I wanted to go back really quickly because it sounded from what you said, it sounded from what you said earlier. It sounded like you were trying to find a connection with your dad through sports and like through the military service and looking for that approval. So what was that like for you when you were younger? What was that like for you? Well, I, I, you know, it was ultimately me trying to figure out how I can connect with him because, you know, for the most part, I, I remember a lot of wrestling with my dad and I remember a few times of my dad uh, being involved in me playing sports outside. And if there was, if he ever did go to a game, he was yelling and screaming at the ump. He was the dad that you're just like, oh man, that's, uh, that's my dad. No, that's not my dad. That, I don't know who that guy is. You know, um, which is ultimately what to a kid. It's embarrassing. Okay. My dad wanted the best for me. He just didn't know how to explain to me, son, the reason why I am pushing you is to become better. It's not yeah. because you're bad. It's not because you're horrible. It's not because you suck. It's not because you're incompetent. It's I want to push you because life is going to push you. But how do you explain that to a seven-year-old and them understand it? The way you celebrate those things is celebrate them. Man, son, yeah. I am so happy you got a, a, a 97. I'm so happy. And I know next time you're going to do even better. Son, I'm, I'm okay that you missed that ground ball because I know the more you get out there, the better you're going to be. But I saw in my dad what he loved. And if I, I ultimately didn't feel that he was loving what I loved. So I had to start switching things to love what he loved. Now, I already loved sports, so it was an easy thing for me. But I loved, I got involved in the knowledge of sports because then that, if my dad wouldn't go outside and play with me, then maybe I can ask him trivia questions or he can ask me questions or we can talk about things that would make a connection because my dad was smart. And I remember, I think what ultimately prompted it was a question it was during the halftime show of a, of a UNC basketball game, and it was a trivia question, okay? And they asked the trivia question, and I knew the answer, okay? And I, <laughs> my dad was out. He, 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 uh, he would go out late at night and smoke a cigarette and then come back, you know? And I called the phone number on, this, on, on, on the screen. I don't know if I was supposed to or not, but I called it, you know? And I came in, I'm like... Dad, they asked this question and I know the answer. And he's like, well, son, did you call? I'm like, I'm on the phone right now holding. And I don't remember what happened after that. He's like, well, what was the question? And the question came up on the screen and I'm like, dad, this is the answer. He's like, son, you're absolutely right. And then, of course, the news broadcasters came up with the answer and I was right. And so it intrigued my dad. Yeah. And I felt then, I'm like, this is my in. This is my in to the attention that I wanted. I knew my dad loved me. But I wanted his attention. It's like, it's kind of like being in the room with somebody that like, you know, they're there, you know, your acquaintances, but you'd rather be gone. 
You're just like, man, I love being around this person. I love this person as an individual, but man, they can suck you dry. Okay. Yeah. I guess it's kind of like going to, you know, families for Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner. It's just like, I just want to hurry up and eat and get out. <laughs> you know, the food's good. The company's not, <laughs> you know, and, uh, my boy, mom can stick a foot in some macaroni, but man, I don't want to be around her, you know, man. <laughs> you know, I so you. that's, I mean, ultimately that's, I mean, I loved it because it was a connection for me. It allowed yeah. me to stay up late and watch a basketball game with them. And what was that? That was quality time. Yep. Because the yep. time I wanted with my dad was outside playing sports, help me get better at playing sports. But my dad was working or he came home tired, but he always had time to watch TV or watch a North Carolina basketball game. He didn't miss those, yeah. you know? And, um, and so it made the connection that he would, you know, back in the day we had newspapers when you found out sports, you know, before social yeah. media and things like that. So he would leave the newspaper for me and he would circle something in the paper for me to read. And I'm like, oh man, I loved it. it and the reason why I devoted myself so much to it because I got approval from him. If my dad would have gave me approval in grades in school, who knows where I could be at. My focus may have not have been on sports. It may have been on schoolwork. So it was a fun ride for me. I, I was not feeling rejected. I was not feeling the abandonment from him, so to say, mental abandonment from him, so to say, when it came, when it came to that, okay? So it was a very joyful thing for me, you know, and that's how my dad and I started to express love for each other, was through that, yeah. was through that connection, okay? Yeah. But at the end of the day, my dad still wanted the best for me, right? Sports were not getting me anywhere, okay? Studying, you know, Dexter Manley's career statistics, okay, or the Atlanta Braves and who pitched the World Series in 1992 and gave it all up. <laughs> I'm not bitter, I promise. <laughs> I'm not Charlie Lee Brandt. Um, <laughs> you know, um, to Kirby Puckett uh, and Dave Winfield. Um, I don't know how I'm remembering all this all of a sudden, but I am. <laughs> I promise, guys, I have no unforgiveness with them. <laughs> I have none. I wasn't on the team, okay? Uh, I was just a kid. But, you know, ultimately, you know, I made that connection with him, you know, until that day came where it's just like, I wish, you know, if you would have applied yourself here, you would have been a straight-A student, you know? And that's when I ultimately realized I'm not healed of rejection. Now, I didn't know at the time I wasn't healed, but I'm like, well, this is like the same old dad, you know? And it just took years of me just growing up and just, well, I'm always going to get it thrown on my face, so I'll just do whatever, I'll do whatever I can to get attention, and that's it. And the attention just came in other places. It didn't come in, in, in grades, you know? It just came in sports or it came in something that I liked, you know, but as of course my dad got, you know, as he got older and of course wiser when it came to, you know, dealing with his children, things like that. Then it became in the later years of my life and the later years of his life, it became a celebration, you know, is, Hey guys, you ever seen the movie Max? You know, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the police dog that, or the military dog. And he was a Marine dog and stuff like that. He's like, well, he retired from Hollywood and He's, he's living at home now. Guess who trained him? My son trained him. Uh, you, you know Drew Brees, the, the quarterback for the Saints? Well, yeah, my son trained his dog. You know, you know Sean Payton, the, 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 the head coach for the, paint, the Saints? Well, my son trained his dog. So it became a bragging thing for my, son, my dad because he was truly happy for me at the end of the day. But that yeah. took him coming to a place of being forgiving. Yeah. And coming to a place that now I can see the full perspective. Yeah. You know, when we're wrapped up in unforgiveness, you can't see the full perspective. No. You can't. No, you, you see cannot. your perspective only. You, you, you feel that this is what should happen, this is how it should happen, and this is why it should happen, and the way it should happen, and the time that it should happen. And, the, and you know, we script it in our heads on how people should do it. Yeah, I agree. You know, wholeheartedly agree with that. And, and that's that's the that's that. the failure that we 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 have is we expect somebody to respond a certain way when it comes to 
telling them that they forgive them or even saying, hey, will you forgive me? No, I don't forgive you. Well, why would you not forgive me? I'm coming to you 20 years later and apologizing. You know, yep. you, key takeaway, you have to know and understand that people may not respond the way you want to when it comes to forgiveness. Learn to walk away. You did yeah. your part. Now, the second part you can do is forgive yourself. Yeah, I agree with that. Another One thing I do want to say also is let go of the script you have in your head. Yes, yes. Man, it'll let get you Let go trouble. of that script, and I'll add on to that. Let go of you need to hear someone say this exact thing in order to either let it go, to forgive, to heal. No. Let go of that. Yeah. Because there are times there are times we could be like, if this person says this, I can forgive them. Yeah. That's still keeping yourself hostage. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't help you. It hurts you. Because if I say for if you say, if they say, I'm sorry for the last 15 years, that's what you want them to say. But they actually say, Hey, I messed up. What? The script doesn't go right. Some people may hold that grudge. So I say, let go of the script. You know what I mean? Let go of that script. One thing, one thing that really just punched me in the mouth. When you said you forgave your dad, and he said, that's what I thought I had to do. And I hear that from a lot of uh, people my age, when they talk to their parents, they're just like, I learned this from my parents or this is how I was brought up in X, Y, Z. And there was a meme on Facebook and I want to bring it up. It said, give our parents grace because we were watching them grow up. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I was like, that's so powerful. So powerful. So when he said that, what did that do? What did that do to you? What did that do for you when he said that? It was almost like... <laughs> I just what the first thing that I remember coming to my mind is like, how could you think that way? Mm. It, it just did not make a bit of sense to me. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get more bitter. I, I didn't become yeah. more bitter because of it. I'm just like, I was perplexed. I was just like, are you serious? Yeah, you're a smart man. Is that how is yeah. that not common sense? Yeah, you know. But what is common sense? One thing that I've learned in business. <laughs> What is common sense to me is not common sense to other people. Man, <laughs> you ain't lying. You know, common sense to me is that when you're done with the broom, go put it back up. Don't leave it where you left it. Okay. Common sense to me is when you when you when you finish with something, go go put it back where it belongs. But believe it or not, you have to write protocols and procedures on putting up the broom, putting up the vacuum cleaner. Yeah, you know, uh, cleaning out the vacuum cleaner, cleaning out the filter. Don't wash the filter. It's not supposed to get all those things because some people because of when you're brought up, you brought up, you're brought up. The common sense to me, you think, is the common sense that our parents had because they instilled things in us. But we also just learn and come to that revelation of learning it from other people that yep. what we were instilled upon is just like, nope, that's not right. That's yeah. not right because there had to have been for me, there was a divine intervention in my life for me not to be an abusive husband, an abusive father. Why? Because my dad was. Yeah. I was raised in it. I was taught it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's ironic. I just left the gas station getting some water before I got here. And there was a lady checking out. She had three young kids and it sounded like she was a babysitter or something. She was buying cigarettes. And if you smoke, that's not an issue for me. But the little girl, she was probably about seven. Okay. She was talking about the cigarettes. Like she knew the brand. She knew the kind. She knew the filter. She knew everything. And I'm like, this is her mentality. So I could probably make the prejudge assessment of what do you think she's going to be doing by the time she's 12? Smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Because that is what she is growing up under. It will have to come to her own demise of, you know what? Cigarettes is not for me. Or drugs or alcohol or theft or murder. Or whatever the case is, abuse, whatever the case is, okay, is not for me. You know? And she can only make that decision on her own. And hopefully that she can be influenced whatever in life, you know, to persuade her to do other things, you know? 
for, for her own better, her, her own better judgment. So ultimately when my dad said that, I, I was just more baffled than anything because I knew I didn't, I knew it wasn't right, but yet I didn't understand it. Yeah. And the thing is, is, you know, you talked about not getting rid of the script. When you don't understand something, just go get another perspective. What helped me in that moment is I went to somebody immediately out of frustration and shared that with them. And he's like, Joseph, you got to put yourself in your dad's shoes. How was he mm-hmm. raised? My dad was probably beat when he was a kid. Being born in 1944 or 42, I'm sure he... I know what my dad uses a belt. I can't imagine what his parents used. Yeah. You know, I can't imagine because my dad would pick up anything and hit you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, so yeah, that, that's, that's what I felt at that time. Mm. That's powerful. Thank you for that. I want to ask you, what does forgiveness mean to you? Hmm. Forgiveness to me is coming to a place in your own heart and life of letting go. Letting go that you can that you can heal. Yeah. And that may be a blanket statement, but forgiveness is I'll tell you what forgiveness is nothing more than openness. Forgiveness is the letting go so you can be let in. So things can be put back in. It's kind of like if you look at a glass half empty, right? You can walk around and be defeated because the glass is half empty. Unless you're always thinking about fullness. Well, my glass is half full. I must pour that glass out so I can be refilled. When you harbor unforgiveness, you'll never be in a state of forgiveness. So forgiveness to me is letting go so you can receive. I like that. I love that. I do. What is something you wish you learned earlier in your journey to forgiveness? Yeah. Forgiving myself that when I kept on hearing the words no, and that I stemmed it into other things, that forgiving myself of accepting that answer so I could move on in life earlier. And what do you wish to impart to the people about forgiveness? Just know and understand the two aspects of it. Know and understand that, number one, you, have to, you, you need to come to a place of forgiving other people. But in that, know and understand you may not hear what you want to hear when you walk up to somebody and tell them that you forgive them. Okay? Number two is forgiving yourself. I can't preach that yeah. enough. I cannot preach that enough. Because when you forgive yourself, because here's the thing, only you can decide whether or not you forgive yourself. You have that choice. That's dictated by you. Yeah. But when you're forgiving somebody else or you're asking somebody else for forgiveness, that's dictated by them. And you yeah. can't control that. Yeah. But you can control the aspect of forgiving yourself. I like that. I do love that. I want to say thank you for coming on, man, for real, because this was this is a treasure just talking to you, man. It I really is. It, brother. Thank you for that. So let the people know everything you have going on when it comes to websites, businesses, whatever it is. The floor <laughs> is yours. Just promote yourself. Absolutely. So one is I run a podcast called Purpose Through Pain. We're on all the major uh Uh, platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify. It's called Purpose Through Pain. And we are helping and coaching people to to take the pain that they've gone through life and find their purpose through it, sharing it with other people, or maybe just even understanding why you went through it, okay? Um, I'm on on Instagram. I'm on uh, all social media. Meet Joseph James. The word meet Joseph James. That's my first and last name. Uh, You can reach out to me then. I am also, I am a coach. I am a breakthrough life coach. I do coaching to help people find their purpose in life on the pain that they've gone through. Okay. For me, 
you heard most of my story. And then, of course, it went to my dad dying, my wife dying, raising three kids by myself, dealing with all the trauma-related instances as a kid and learning how to find, again, my purpose. Because at the end of the day, we cannot touch what we cannot feel. And that's the healing process. Okay? So... By all means, please reach out to me on social media. I'd love to be able to hear from you guys. Reach out to me, ask questions, and uh, any way that I can help you guys meet Joseph James on Instagram, you can reach out to me that way. Love to be able to help you any way that I can. Absolutely. And for those who didn't catch that, I got, I'm got. i going to put that in the show notes so that y'all can connect with them. All right? But Joseph, really, just thank you. Thank you for coming on. For real, really, just Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Absolutely, brother. I'm, I'm truly honored, Dwayne. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host so you won't miss a single episode. You're one step closer to finding true freedom and breakthrough.